Hello and welcome to the 30th British Football Coaches Network episode of a Developing Your Football World podcast. I'm Matt Ward and today, unfortunately, James McAloon is not with me as he's uh, had to go into some coaching duties. Uh, He's got some coaching to attend to. Now, ladies and gents, uh, I cannot confirm or deny that he isn't out playing golf. But I will leave that up to your own imagination, judgment and critique, OK? And we, we'll talk about it next week. Anyway, today is a massive privilege to introduce my guest and to be joined by former Nottingham Forest Ladies Manager and current Stoke City Ladies Manager, Alina Moulton. Alina, it's amazing to have you on. Thank you so much for your time. How you been and uh, what you been up to? No worries. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on here. Um, well, I've actually got a week off work at the moment, um, and so whenever it's half term or anything, it just feels like my diary just gets full with loads of football stuff. Um, so actually, this is the second podcast this week. So yesterday I was on a, a different webinar as well. So it's literally football related, um, and then this is my time to start to draw up some development plans for the younger players that we start want to start breaking through. Um, I think the female game's gone along the lines of let's go and get the ex-championship players and start to play, pay them and all those different types of things. So my focus and, and the club's focus is we've got these players coming through. Um, how do we draw the experience? How do we map their journey and make them ready for first-team football? So that's what I'm, I'm trying to plan at the moment. I, I love that. So... Just just touching on that before we go into the real first topic, are there clubs then which will go out and kind of offer more money and buy, you know, players, former players from different clubs instead of trying to bring through youth like you've been concentrating on? Oh, 100%, 100%. There's, I mean, clubs have had to work differently now with the COVID situation because, you know, there's been some money not not quite as accessible as it what it was uh, previous seasons for them. But what what some players have done, they've actually dropped down a league to play in our league just because of the financial benefits that they'll get from it. So, you know, I know some players, I know a couple of players of my friends that, you know, they play championship and they're not wanting to drop down just to get more money because they want to play football at the highest level. And you know, I think they're the type of players that I want, not the players that think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting championship football, but I'll get more money here. And, you know, that's what women's football's never been about that. And, and, and now it's going that way. And I, I joke with my brother all the time that now women's football's going around the non-league football where <laughs> players, players are trying to, compete for the extra £10 and, and forgetting what travel expenses are all about and they'll pay more petrol to go somewhere. That's how, at the moment, if we're not careful, the women's football hour standard is going down on league men's. That, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. You took the words out of my mouth. Like, you're, you're, now, you're now getting ones who are going to move club for an extra 40 quid, but dropping down levels. So, as you said, it shows kind of the quality of the, the character of the person and who you actually want playing for you, right, as a, as a manager. You want someone who's playing for you because it's their highest level. They're going to be playing the highest level they can. And it's not just for the extra dollar. So I, I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, within, within our, of our club and, you know, our technical director, um, so this is our second season, working together. And, and we think quite similar in terms of values. Um, 
and we judge and our recruitment is based on values first before we even look at the type of player. So we'll do our research. Uh, we'll ask the questions of well, how did they respond when things weren't going bad? How do the conversations, how do they approach us in the conversations? Is it a case of why am I not playing? Or is it, well, how do I, how do I get a, a start in the team? And, you know, over the summer, some people might look and think, oh, Stoke didn't really recruit that many, but we've, we've recruited five actually five top quality girls that are that would literally would run through brick walls they are such team players they'll do anything and then I just think I'd rather have them in my team because well, I know I'll make them a better player and I know the staff will make them better players and I'd much prefer that than a, a prima donna that's played in the highest league I think they know everything and uh... Could could uh, yeah yeah me too I, I I totally agree with them sentiments as well. Uh, could a could a, a female club sustain on the on the kind of model of bringing in youth players, developing them, and then probably moving them on when when they're worth a little bit more? Is would that be sustainable in the in the women's game? No, it's not. Unfortunately, um, I think your brands of being a club that develops players. And then they move on and they either represent England or they go to a, a better club, higher club, will help with your recruitment of saying, look, this is what we can do. And this is the evidence of it. Um, and that's brilliant. But in terms of, you know, if, if you look at the Man City men's, we're not going to get any money for, for creating a player and sending them out. We don't get anything from it. So that's not sustainable as a as a as a brand or a product to, to get get some money from from that way. Um, but for me, it's like I always say what's doing the right thing for the right player. Um, so supporting them. And if it we've always been honest as a club. And if we think that it's the right thing for a player to move on, we'll say we think it's the right thing. Um, and then we'll say if the certain club isn't right, I will say I don't think that club's right for these reasons. Uh, it won't be because uh, yeah, I definitely just want you to stay at Stoke because this is, I don't want you to ever leave. It's not, no, it's not right for you because I know you and I know them and it's not going to work. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, personally, you've been playing since what? You were six years old and you've been coaching since yeah. the age of 14? Well, I started roughly about 16. I did odd sessions for my brother's football team. I did a level one. And, and I was horrendous because the level one games was not appropriate to any under 11s <laughs> for his teams. And I remember just like getting them doing laps and stuff in a warm up, and I, I was like, what? Bunny hops, bunny hops, and hopping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had the whistle, I had numbers. When I shout a number, drop down, jump up, all these different things. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Um, and then at 18, I think that's when I. I didn't take it seriously. I, I've, I've been very honest with people and said I needed some money. As a, I was a uni student, it was much easier working three hours on a Saturday and three hours on a Sunday. And I got more money than if I worked nine to five in a, in a, in a retail shop. So yeah. I thought, wow, this is easy. I don't necessarily like it, but I get more money than my, my, my flatmate. So I'll take it. <laughs> so... So from from there, what was your just just give us a quick overview of where it developed from there then from getting some easy money whilst you was at university and then what the next steps were for you? Oh gosh. Um well it 
just kind of clicked one day. I think I wasn't too bothered about being observed. I did, you know, some people like I've got to put on the best session when they're getting observed and stuff. And I was like, I just don't really care. Like you've employed me. I'm all right with it. Like if you tell me I'm not any good, I'm not really bothered. Um, so I had a couple of observations and they were like, you need to work on this, this, this. And I was like, okay, yeah, um, that's fine. That's your opinion. But I was like, okay. And then I think one day I got observed and it just clicked. I don't know what it was. The kids must have just realised I was getting observed or something. And it just it just rolled and the kids got so much. There was, there was enjoyment and I just stood there and I thought, ah, I get it now. Why has it taken me two years to understand? Um, and I did, and then I just started to get a bit more recognition within the community programme as a coach and being being quite decent, being a female coach as well. And, and they knew me as a player and, and stuff. So they were like, yeah, she's doing well here. And then I got a call one day um, and I've always, I always thought, oh, I'm not ready for a level two. I don't really care. I don't see anything in football. Once I finish university, I'm done. Um, and then the guy says, well, Alina, we've, I've got a, a place on the level two. Do you want it? Being a uni student, my response was, like, well, how much is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not paying £250. I'm a student here. Come on. I've got better things to spend my money on. Um, and then he just said, it's free. And then I said to my mum, my mum said, or you'd be stupid not to like yeah. they need female coaches they need black female coaches and you know you need to give people experience go and see if you like it I did it it turned out I was half decent at it and um, the tutor at the time he was technical director of the Derby County Centre of Excellence now this this man Pete he, he, I have it he's the, I've got him to thank that is as simple as and he's not just me Two of me, the friends, one of them works for the FA, the other one works for United. We both say if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be in football because he was adamant that there had to be a female coach at each age group. Brilliant. Whether it's head coach or assistant, it was like, I have to have them in because the men that I've got, they won't understand. And, you know, he, he was in his 60s and he, that's the way he was thinking. Um, and he says to me, like, when there's an opportunity, I want you to come work with, work for me. And I volunteered for eight months. I thought, what am I doing? Waste my time. And then he said, um, I think you're ready. There's a position. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh, and then it just went from there. And, and yeah, this, without him, I wouldn't have got it. This is at, uh, at Derby? Yeah, it was at Derby County, yeah, Centre of Excellence. I was there for about yeah. six, six years, I think it was, in total. Now, there's so many... There's so many different parts of that where it could not have happened if if it all didn't come together. For example, you, you mentioned he were, he was uh, in in his sixties, uh, which is why there's no excuse when everyone's got this backward thinking about certain development and progressions. And he had the foresight to see that. So if he wasn't a forward thinker or visionary, uh, it wouldn't have happened. If you didn't have like that extra bit of motivation to say volunteering well you know what I'll give it a go anyway because look at the start we all don't like doing something for nothing right I don't care how how amazing <laughs> we are we're all human right at the beginning it, it isn't a great uh, incentive but then you you saw the light and then all that came together and then uh, you, you you got back what you deserved and you actually got a, a position straight from there yeah yeah it was a uh, 
there's quite a few months and I just remember going to home home games or away games and just thinking one day it might be might be possible. Um and if it wasn't for Pete, technical director, I wouldn't have done my A for B. And he was old school and he's drilled in some values in me that I didn't realise until until we left them. And all three of us have said the same thing in terms of if you're not early, you're late and that type of thing. Um, and he really instilled some values. And I remember one day I was just, I was coaching and he used to do some random things and I used to look at him and think, what are you doing? And he'd run over and randomly in the middle of the session he'd go, you ready for your A for B? <laughs> and then he'd run off <laughs> and he did it to all three of us. And I was just thinking, you know what, I'm not, never. And then, about three weeks later, he sent me an email saying, I found this funding for you. You need to apply by today. And I'm like, geez, I've got a full-time job. And then he did it again. He ran over. And then he said, um, in a couple of years, you'll be doing your license. And as I said, Pete, you don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, and about all three of us have got our A license and we've all gone through the same process of being identified now, level two. Um, yeah, like, like I said, like, there's some things that he was old school and I used to think, you know, no short socks, long socks have to be worn. And as a 21-year-old, that was horrendous. Pulled and I up. used to fight it. I used to hate it. <laughs> we used to rebel. We used to rebel and wear short socks. And I remember one day him saying to me, Elena, if, you go, if you're going to come in short socks again, I'm going to send you home. Send you home. <laughs> I was like, I was 21, 22 at the time. I just thought, I can't wear long socks. This is old school. You're still being cool, right? Mate? You're still in your yeah. cool years. <laughs> yeah. Like all the, the under 17s used to look at me like, Lena, what are you doing in long socks? And I'm like, I don't know. And all of us used to be in it. It used to be summer. You want to wear shorts, but I refused to wear long socks. So I was in, I was in trackies. In trackies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Refused. And, and even then, you got to put the long socks over the top of them at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, probably. I was, I was just thinking, Pete, do you know what this is doing to me? <laughs> I, I've come through a system playing football, and now look at me, look ridiculous. But, you know, that was the one of the things that he was very, very old school for. And, you know, you had to have a whistle. That, that was it. And if you didn't have a whistle, where was it? And for me, I coach with a whistle now all the time. And if I don't have it, I'm like, oh, it's really frustrating. Because, you know, players react to a whistle. And if I'm doing 11 v 11 and one end of the pitch, I would have, by the time I get them to stop, the pitch is completely changed by the time they've heard me. So, you know, I, I get the whistle and I use it. And when I was technical director, some of my coaches didn't like it. And I was just like, you're going you're gonna to have to get used to it because this is, this is a must. It's a must. So we'll, just before we move on, uh, we'll, we'll touch on this uh, later on as well. If it wasn't for for a person such as Pete, you you wouldn't be where you are now. You wouldn't have had that push. Like literally, he waited till the last day to apply for uh, your B license uh, or the funding for the B license. He he could have probably told you a week before, but you may not have done it. And he waited till it it was running out of time. If you didn't have someone this extra little push to keep you going, w- w- would you have done it? Do you think? No. No, not at all. And he didn't really, he wasn't like really forceful as to say, you have to. It's just used to do random things to plant seeds in your head all the time. Um, and again, if it wasn't for him, 
I wouldn't have done my youth award because he, he says to me, um, there's an opportunity here to do your youth award. And I said, I'm watch again. And he said, it's free. And I worked in a school and it was really hard to get that time off in a school. And, and uh, he was an ex-teacher. So he said, look, you just need to find a way of telling them how it could benefit him. Yeah. And I was, I was teaching PE at the time. So it was right. I was like, I've learned some stuff off that course and it enabled me. Like, I would never have thought of that. I would have just thought, oh, no chance I can have any time off during school, school time. But he, yeah, he's, uh, I'm really, really thankful for him. And about a year or two ago, when I got onto my A-license, actually when I became a technical director, director, I rang him and I said, thank you, because I don't, and he was like, what do you mean? Uh, and it wasn't until later on that did I realise how much he did for my journey. Amazing, amazing. So as part of your journey from Derby, what happened then? So I worked throughout, throughout all the age groups. Um, and then I worked for the FA as well um, for a year. And I had a conversation with the technical director at the time and I was kind of saying, I need a head coach role. I was doing the under 16s and I was assistant. I wanted to do 11 v 11. Didn't want to be under 14s head coach. So I says, well, I work really, really well with, with uh, Mark under 16s. I'll continue working with him for a year. And then um, Graham Abercrombie, he messaged me and followed me on Twitter. And I was like, oh, okay. So I followed him back. And then within 30 seconds, I, I got a message on Twitter, like private message saying, um, can I give you a call? I want to talk. I'm going to Forest and I want you to come with me. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't even know him. He doesn't know me. How does this work? And then I ended up working with Graham for just under two seasons, really. Um, and it was, it was great. I learned, I learned so much of organisation and Graham's really really organised and how to work in senior football and I do things a little bit different because our personality is different so I can't just copy what he does um, and I learned a lot from I learned a lot from Graham and, and I'm grateful for the opportunity because about three months before then I, I says to a mentor I'm never working with senior players and then all of a sudden I am four seasons in now, the, the, the beauty of that is I'm a great believer that when you do deserve something, these opportunities have a, a tendency to come round eventually. And the fact that it came through kind of a, a, a Twitter follow and then a message, you always find that. If there's a, a random, some kind of follow or, or connection and you're like, oh, I wonder what this is about. And then all of a sudden a quick message pops up and then yeah. you're, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit. I, 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 know, I knew of Graham because um, I think the season before it was my last season playing football uh, and I was at a team called Long Eaton and, and we just made history by, by going, I think, to the third round and we were the team to have got the furthest base of where our league was. I think we were still regional based. We weren't even in uh, Women's National League or anything. Um and we ended up playing West Brom, which was Graham's team, and they ended up winning the league that season. And uh, yeah, we lost three 0 and it was never a three 0 game. We probably, we probably should have scored a couple ourselves. And I remember the first goal was definitely my fault. <laughs> um, I ended up coaching one of the girls that was that was there. She came over to Forest, so I knew of Graham 
from when I played against West Brom in, in the FA Cup. Now, do, do you feel that you benefited more from going in as a number two than directly in as a first-team manager right away? Although, of course, all of us, we, we think we can, and, and I've been there as yeah. well, you want to go straight in, but was it better for you just being able to sit back a little bit, not having all of the limelight, and like you said, just learn a, a few bits and bobs before you went into management? Yeah, definitely, because um, I'd never seen myself as a number one. I didn't think I've got the... I'm going to say ego, maybe that's not the right word, but I don't think I had the persona to be a number one. I just didn't care enough. Um, and I'm really big on my time. I know that um, I'd have to give a lot of my time to be successful as a number one. And I never, it, it just happened by chance. You know, Graham decided to leave Forest. And I always said, if Graham leaves, I'm going with him. That was what I said. Um, and then I had a couple of conversations because loyalty is massive to me. Yeah. And he brought me in. And I, I, thought, I, I, I said to the club so many times, I said, if he goes, I'm going. And that's, that's as simple as. Um, and then my friends had said, Alina, you'd be stupid to not get this experience and make it work. And I said, well, you know, I'm loyal to Graham. And they're like, yeah, loyalty is really good. And he'll appreciate that. But he's decided to leave. He's not been told to leave. Um, and, I, and then I sat down and I thought, if he had been told to leave, I would have gone. 100%. Um, with that, I would have 100% gone with him. Um, so then the, the eight games that I had in charge were the most difficult eight games of my life. Really? Serious? Oh, yeah, it was It was horrible. It was horrible. I was still technical director at the same time. So I was working like four nights a week and a Saturday and a Sunday. Um. I had in the first 40 hours of Graham leaving, about seven first team players left as well. Did, did, they, did they go to, did he move to another club and they followed him or they just left? No, no, they left. Again, those are loyal players. They are, you know, they are very loyal girls. They really respected Graham and ultimately they were there for Graham, which I understand. Yeah. You know, I've, I've I've been in them situations where, you know, you play for the manager um, and you don't want to play for the club without the manager being there. So I, I got it and I had those conversations with the players and I said, if you think it's the right thing for you to leave, then that's fine. I get it. I know it's not personal. Um, and those conversations, I, I work on honesty and I said, like, I can't have players here. I don't want to play for, play for me because what, what does that have for me? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you must have been like, although at the time we we all put on, I mean, talking very on, honestly now, uh, we will put on a brave face. But deep inside, whoever you are, you know, you are thinking like, shit, now, like what what am I doing here? The players are leaving and you, you get an idea that, look, it isn't personal, but they just don't. It's a big difference from wanting to play with the manager what's just gone. And now their, their heart isn't really in it. And, you, yeah. and I'm different as well. Real, I'm different. Yeah, a real tough place. How how did you hard. how did you overcome it? Um, there's a couple of things really. We we were in a relegation battle as well. Even better. Had, uh, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't 
<laughs> it was horrendous. It was horrible. And the first game we had was against Sunderland. And I was like, fantastic, like, brilliant. We've got Sunderland at home. They beat us away with the first team players and we lost 8-0. So I'm thinking I had drafted reserve players, uh, fringe players that didn't had not played many games. My captain, who was really Forest through and through, she'd played for Forest. She she was Forest through and through. She was in Vegas on like on a on a um on a Hindu. And I'm like, are you being serious? The keeper had left. Oh, literally, I so what I did, um I kind of disregarded the first game because I knew whatever happens, it it doesn't matter who we played, Sunderland probably would have beat us even with those first team players because we've done it already. So it was just around, right, let's talk about how we're probably going to set up now we've had so many people leave. We worked really, really hard and um, we had one training session, I think. That I probably just did a little bit of, a few technical practices, nothing too much. And then I got them in early on a Sunday and I named the team and we went through a tactical stuff of, of the mid-block and I just said, do not press their, any of their back four. And it got to 35 minutes, nil-nil. And I'm no, like, no. if we can get to half-time at nil-nil, these girls are going to be on cloud nine. Absolutely. And then, and then we conceded in the 43rd and the 45th minute. Oh, just no, like, oh no. Not what we needed. Worst timings. Yeah. So I said to the girls, like, you know, it's worked for for 42 minutes and it might not work for the rest of this game but yeah, if you trust me we will get results um, and we end up losing 6-0 which was less than what we lost the first time it's a positive start um, yeah yeah definitely the main thing for me that with, with that was around um, recruitment so I made a couple of calls I had good relationships with a couple of teams so I got a couple of loans in um, one of my friends had gone off and she played really high um, pressure she did and I said come and do me a favour she did me a big favour um, and I, you know we played Derby we had two and a half thousand fans and they asked me whether we wanted the game at City Ground and I said absolutely not it's a big pitch we're just going to get pulled all over the place so I said no and I have a thing around set pieces. Female goalkeepers, unfortunately, they don't have the reach to come and collect crosses. They're not confident in and around. So we worked on set pieces and where we would go and how we would stop the keeper on crowding. Um, and we ended up scoring. We go one nil up. In the 89th minute, they get a corner uh, and they, they score from outside the box. And you, we just like, we were so close. Um, but, that was but, a big result for us. But little... Little steps, and what we're seeing here, right? Okay, you, you've been literally thrown into into the lines. Then you know that can't be helped. But what it forced you to do was to adapt, and straight away you turned actually into a, a manager. You got on the phone. You you was pulling in favors and everything, which is what a manager does, right? I mean, you're a manager now, and that that pushed you into that position of being a manager already. And it, it's scary, and sometimes you do have to get into it. And, just to see the progression, I mean, what, the second game you got that draw? You was winning to yeah. it? 
So, yeah, we lost as well in the reverse early on in the season. We lost to the one nil. Um, so after that start, did did you see a, a slight change in in the mood of the, the the players and kind of your your leadership? You got a, a bit more uh, a bit more confidence as well with with the backing from the players. Yeah, definitely. Um, I work a lot around player feedback, so which is a bit different to what they'd have previously experienced. So I, I was going like, right, what is working really well and what do we think we need to do more, less of or more of? And then for me, it's about implementing those things. So we had a team meeting and I didn't realise how positive things were. So they said certain bits of the session that they liked um, and said, we didn't do much of that before, but we really like it because it's so realistic to the game. And there's some things that we don't like. Um, and then it was able to be a compromise. The thing that I didn't like, I said, you need that, 100% need it. However, can we compromise and say we won't do it for any more than 10 minutes? And um, because they ha I had that buy-in, they were like, yeah, okay. And I said, but those 10 minutes have to be really, really good. Um, and they were like, oh yeah, that's fine. And, you know, that play of feedback, that the way I work and, you know, I've done some research in my personality type and I work better under environments where it's stressful and I've got to find creative ways to be yeah. successful. Um, and I've even done it a little bit now, the stoic of like that information, but then explicitly drawing certain things out that they wouldn't realise. Um, and then we just, we, just, we just grew. And in the last game of the season, I've been really big on set pieces um, we ended up scoring three goals from set pieces. We absolutely dominated the game. And just to finish on that, I just was like, we're safe. I'm not the manager that got them relegated. <laughs> um, I'm the manager that secured their status. And now, and now you know, the two seasons that they had like, with, without me, they've done really well. So, so credit to them and the club. Yeah, credit to them, and I'm allowed to say it uh, because you won't. But credit, credit to you as well. <laughs> but uh, <Thank> you. <laughs> no, that that's that's a great, that's really inspiring. And, and ladies and gents, anyone anyone who's listening uh, or watching in, like, uh, there, there's a few little parts to pick out from there which you can think about. And uh, this is great because I love talking about player management and just different ways how to get a different tune from people who may not be should we say cooperative uh, to begin with so in your role now i mean it, it's going to be an obvious answer but how has how has your previous experiences uh in in that situation now benefited you uh, and do you feel it kind of easier to adapt to uh, uh you know challenging times rather than going in fresh again and then go, doing it all again yeah, there's a couple of things really. Uh, the first thing is I'd probably say the team around me are more knowledgeable, more experienced and understand the feelings and emotions. So the advice I get from them, yeah, probably trust it a bit more rather than it just being at Forest. It was just me and I had a team, but a lot of the decisions I, I had to just go with um, because it... You know, I, I was in a relegation battle, whereas now I really trust the team yeah. that, that I have. Um, and I'm someone that 
I will hold my hands up and say I've made a mistake and realise that Forest and probably made two mistakes. Um, and I said I've not made any mistakes again. I don't like energy sappers in the team at all. None. And the, my the, my previous mentor used to say, find the sappers, change them or get rid of them. Yes. Because they do, they absolutely kill the environment, the energy. And I've always I've said to state players, be aware of your body language and your impact on the team negatively and positively. And if it's negatively, stop doing your stuff. Like stop doing it because it's not acceptable. Um, and because of that, I've probably made decisions where I've had open conversations and just, you know, it's, I'm not willing. It's not to me. Me and Chloe, we do accept those things. Chloe definitely doesn't either. And, and we're, we're happy to challenge it. And sometimes I think if it was a male challenging it, would, there, would some players or girls have the issues? And I, I'd probably say no, but because it's a female, I think that, that causes some issues sometimes. But yeah, I've always said I would, integrity is massive to me and uh, I'm not like any players, I'll be honest with them. No, ma- 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 massively. And, and you know what? Some they shouldn't have, but some people have different views. But I I follow the same views as as yourself. And when I've been not only coaching but even a, a general manager for a company or a manager for a company, I do the same. I go in there and where people's like, oh, but just tread carefully, see what the environment's like and everything. Yeah, but you quickly need to understand who you need to move on because if you leave yeah. it too late, then you can't. Then they're settled. And then you can't push on your own values, your own beliefs and create your own environment. What you know is going to work. So totally right. The bad eggs, the, the energy vampires have got to go or at least be given an opportunity to show that they can change. As you said, also, they can fit into what you're creating with the others. Otherwise, they have to go. And there's no, there yeah. can't be any two ways about it. They, they, can't, they can't determine the flow of the workplace, of the environment. No way. No, no, definitely not. And I'm not willing to accept that either. And, you know, um, at, when I was at Forest, there was one particular situation and I've just sat down and I've clocked certain situations that have happened and certain little comments. And, you know, you say, these are acceptable. And they go, yeah, 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 okay, okay. And they do it again and you just think, yeah, nah, you don't get it. And this is having this is the impact it's having on everybody else. And, and you know, I've probably got a little bit of stick from some players at the beginning. And I said, it's all right because you'd be better for it than we were. Do you do you ever kind of look where you are now and then remember when you was at university or when you was starting out volunteering and thinking, bloody hell, that, that seems a long time ago now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like forever. When I look back and I just think I've, I started off hating football coaching, hating coaching to it's a big part of my life, my life now. It's, it's so different. And, and then when I stopped playing football, I just thought I'm going to miss that. I'm part of a team, but my role within a team is completely different. When I was playing, it was a little bit more... I hate to coach myself, put it that way. I wouldn't be putting someone like... I wouldn't have a player like me in the team. I was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and I don't know what, I was like, I don't like any type of players myself, but I was a nightmare. And my, my best friend had to manage me and I just think, I feel sorry for you. 
Um, and I'm, I, I was a bit of a joker in the team, you know, up for a laugh, doing silly things, bit of banter. That was me, probably at completely the wrong times, in the team talk, just always the stupidity. That was me. I never a serious moment, never, come on, we really got to do this. I kind of, that wasn't me. And now, if that was me in the, in the Stoke team, I'd be like, what if this girl is a nightmare? She needs to move. <laughs> It's strange. It's strange how karma comes back and the ro- the roles reverse sometimes. So, yeah. move, moving on now to uh, a, a topic which which needs more attention. Uh, hopefully, it'll it'll continue to get more attention. And uh, a couple of topics we've talked about already links into this. What I what triggered in my head when you was talking about you was the coach what didn't get relegated. I'm wondering how that would have perceived, not out loud, but, you know, without saying it by some, if you did get relegated with the team, would you have been the black female coach what got the team relegated? And then would that have been it? Now, I'm not setting you up as like a guiding question, but I can kind of, I I can't speak from experience, uh, obviously, but I, I get that feeling that it's so easy to judge a female let alone a black female coach, even a, a, a black male coach. But if that was you bringing a team down, how, how do you yeah. feel that would have gone? One of the conversations that I had with, with a really good friend of mine who's involved in football and actually, you know, she, we, we went through some, okay, the, the journey together. And I said to her, like, Charlotte, if, if, I get, if I get this team relegated, I'm not going to have another coaching opportunity. That was my fear. I actually said, who's going to hire me? Because I live in Derby. I've been at Derby. I don't want to go back. I'm not going back to Derby. I've been at Forest. And if I don't make it work at Forest, I'm, I'm done. But where's my next club? You know? Um, so I said, to her, like, I have to do well to, to create my next opportunity. Because I, I've, I'm not a big name in the game. Am I? Like, I'm not. And people didn't know, didn't know of me. And they probably still don't know me, which is fine. So I've got to do something on the pitch where when it comes to another role that I want to apply for, I can say I did that. And if we didn't know, that was me. Um, and, I'd put, and I'd say, because we played Stoke, um, Forrest did, and we should have won the game and I've made a mistake. And I've had that conversation with Chloe, like, you shouldn't have won. I made the mistake that allowed you to win. Not no, we do, actually. I said, I... I made the mistake that allowed you to get the equaliser in the 90th minute. That was my fault. It wasn't good work from you. I, I, I joke with her about it. But if I didn't do so well that game and wasn't so, you know, tactically organised, Stoke wouldn't have known who I was. And the way that I got the role um, and the conversations that I had and when I had to apply and stuff, that probably helped me. A little bit and I knew one or two of the players who said you know she's she's, she's decent you know she's all right and that probably helped me that bit more of them saying yeah she's good and to look what she's done at Forest yeah. over a short period of time with these constraints. Yeah um, I, I, absolutely because I, I wanted to start with that question because not only was you thrown into that situation at Forest uh, in that tough environment in a relegation battle 
but you had that additional extra pressure on, on, on yourself as well, you know, within. So, you know, I, I'm not sure a lot of people can comprehend how strong you have to be as a person yeah. uh, to, to, to get through that. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy it all worked out. And so um, I. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, even when you're saying the story now, I was getting all nervous again. And I felt like I was on the, on the touchline again. Uh, so I totally, I totally feel it all. Now, now when, when people talk about adversity and challenges, we automatically think that everything's been a negative experience, but also we can have uh, good experiences as well. Have you met any negative experiences, adversity during your time through coaching? There's, a, there's been a couple of things in a couple of situations. I think as a, I don't know if I'm black, whether I'm female, whenever I've gone on courses, I've had to play. I've had to play the game for them to start to listen to me. That's tutors as well, tutors to listen. That's the rest of the, you know, participants. For them to, you know, say, oh, I didn't realise you can play. What do you mean you didn't realise a good player? Like, <laughs> I'm on a football course. You know? That's like going on a swimming course and not swim, but not being able to swim. <laughs> like, it's not drown. I didn't know you. I didn't know you could stay afloat in the pool. Yeah, um, that that's one of the things. And I remember uh, the one that really sticks out to me was the treatment that I had at a previous club. And uh, you know, I was going to be an assistant there, and which I was happy about, and I'd always been honest with the club and said, if I think I can work with this person, I'd stay. If I think I can't, I'm going to move on. And I've been really honest. Yeah. And I kept in getting conversations, are you staying, are you staying? I'm saying, look, I need to know what their values are. And if their values don't match with me, it's not going to happen. Gave it the talk on the phone and then, you know, went to do sessions and I had no part. It's like, I'm... I'm just about to be assessed on my own license. Like, I'm not a board bibs or cones person. Um, and the conversation that I had was a case of, no, we don't want, I don't want you to coach. You just collect the footballs. You just collect the bibs and cones. I said, well, can I have an opinion? No. Is this Literally, a, I was like, is this an yeah. Was, um, serious. Then I challenged it. Then I challenged it with senior members of staff. Um, with the leadership team and I said look I am not having this you either got to have a conversation or something this is not what I'm about like if you I said you know me and you know I will be honest and I will challenge things because if I don't who does and it's not right no nobody should be and I think I think the reasons why I, I was treated like that was because I was a female with a voice and they'd often work with a female without a voice. And I wasn't prepared to be that person. When I challenged it, the conversation that I had was, that's how it works at the top level. I said, don't give me that. I've got friends at the top level. One of my mentors has worked at the top level, played at the top level. Like, don't give me that. Um, and because of that, I realised, for me, football is a hobby. It's an add-on. I've got a full-time job. I don't need to be in a position where, you know, I'm... I'm just going to be part of that team to be successful with them. And I'm not really bothered. Like, I don't really care. I'm happy to move on um, and go somewhere else. So I said, it's not for me. If you think I'm going to be the person just to collect the balls and bibs and you don't want me to challenge your thoughts, then good luck to you because, you know, the football's full of opinions. And if you want a yes person, it's 
100%. It's not me. Now, what 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 I like about that, and uh, you know, I, I've I've interviewed a, a few other female coaches, and I I know some more female coaches. Is I, I really like the personality and characters. They they're good at what they do, or and and yourself included. Your knowledge is very good, and you aren't just going to stay quiet. You have got a voice. But what I'm a and and, and that that's how it should be. But what I'm scared of are female coaches who may not be so confident or kind of outspoken. Now they they are in danger of never progressing in the career because of this reason, and it's a shame that they can't be themselves and have their own personality, and that they have to fight for every single inch in the game. But is, is there any way this is going to change or is there anything which could be done in terms of mentorship or, or different uh, mentorship pathway? Now, we know obviously the FA mentorship uh, scheme is going through some transitional uh, uh, ongoings right now. But is there anything which could help females who aren't maybe as confident or as outspoken as, as others? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things to me. Try not, have, try not to have a motive in football. Um, and if you haven't got one, you're probably going to it's going to sit more comfortably with you the decisions that you do make. So for me, when I left this club, I had no motive of making it to the top or being this type of person and working internationally. Like I just wasn't, I just didn't care about that. If I got it, I got it. But that wasn't my motive. My motive was around giving players experience that I never had. Um, because they deserved it so as a female coach that's what I wanted to provide them with um, and giving them excellence every single time so my thing was don't try not to have a motive in football have aspirations but don't make that you be in or end all the next thing is try to get yourself in a good environment with good people where you can it's not always possible but surround yourself with good people the next thing is you know I can speak with so much confidence around the decisions that I decided to make um, and how I challenged it, but that wasn't easy. It really wasn't. And I've got good people around me that friendships first, mentors second, that, that, that's what they are to me. And I'd got onto the phone and I said, this happens to me, this happened to me, this is what was said, what's your thoughts? And then they would help me with that reflection process so that when I went back and I challenged it, I knew that I was making the right decision with it because it wasn't just my thoughts. And yes, when you relay information, you're probably giving the, a slight slant on it that is more favourable for you because that's what your bias will naturally do. However, I was so, so confident and go with your gut instinct. If it doesn't feel right, it's more than likely not going to be right. And don't ever leave yourself in the position where they they can make the decisions for you so just previous to that I just turned down a full-time role um because I knew you know it would have given me a nice little yeah the pay would have been a little bit extra but you know again my motive isn't about money with football um so I turned down the full-time role because I knew it worked right for me. I, I knew it wasn't going to work. So I've got a mortgage to pay. And if I stay in that role, I can't leave. And if things 
continue to be bad with that relationship, I still can't leave. Yeah. So I decided that I'm going to be in control of this situation and I'm going to say no. Yeah, brilliant advice there for any, uh, for any female coaches what are, what are listening and who are on the quieter side. Some really great tips there. And, and just a last, last one or two questions, uh, Alina. So me, I'm, I see you, I'm a white male, but I see you as a, a role model already. Like you, you've inspired me just talking with you today. So how important is it for female coaches to have role models and uh, necessarily, I mean, did you have any role models growing up uh, as a player, but also as a coach? And, you know, how valuable is it for everyone to have some kind of hope, not even a role model, but some kind of hope and even a mentor, and it doesn't have to be an official mentor uh, on, on paper, but just someone to follow in the footsteps of, and we need to keep, creating these otherwise we don't have anyone to follow what is the value of that i think it's massive but i mentioned it on a webinar yesterday that the real difficulty for me is i've not had a mentor well i've not had a role model other than hope powell for the past 23 years i've played football or been involved in football that for me is worrying um the only person i really think about when i was younger or coming through the coaching path like Hope Powell and that's as a female and, and as a black female and that's the worry now who's my role model now as the females I'd say I really admire Emma Hayes and her journey um, and unfortunately all the female coaches involved in football have disappeared that historically have been really good and gone over to America. And the amount of English coaches or, you know, just people involved in football that have decided to go over to America is a worry that as a country, we didn't do more to keep them. And now we're saying we want you. And then they're turning around and being like, yeah, it's a little bit too late now. Yeah. You know, and I don't know why we didn't value these people. And they probably would have been more wrong. Would have like, Laura Harvey is absolutely fantastic and I just wish that she could have been our a national team manager for, for us. But she's working for the US national team and Tracy Kevin, she's working for the US national team. And I was thinking, why are these people not, not with us? Um, so that for me is absolutely massive. Um, I think that, that is a worry. The train's already left. They're not leaving a country which is renowned to be the strongest for female football stroke soccer to come back to some country what they still aren't fully valued even with their even with their name and their experience yeah but also there comes and you know before i think i mentioned being authentic and get yourself in the right environments i'd say sometimes coming back we, we can't be authentic we can't be we're, we're told to be a certain way and it's so hard, like, so I, I like I said, there's certain clubs that, that I think I wouldn't be suited in there because you want me to be something that I'm not and I can't be that person. Um, and I want to bring my authentic self. And, and, and to be honest, Matt, that's been two and a half years of hard work of me realising that's who I am and I'm not changing it. And I've had conversations when, you know, I've had for my A licence, 
and there has been challenging conversations and they've said you need to be more like this and I said no <laughs> no it's, it's not happening and I'm challenging it and it probably made the process longer you know because and I said I'm going to get there someday but I'm not going to be something I'm not and then the questions will be like why aren't you why won't you do these things and I said well do you know my personality if you do that's not how I work like I'm very logical strategical don't ask me to do things that aren't going to sit right with me and that's why important thing of having a team and my team yeah very female based but the the stuff that I'm saying no to they're probably really good at actually no they are really good at so where I'm saying my I'm values and I'm not willing to negotiate I know somebody else in my team can do that negotiating for me <laughs> Alina it's <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. I, I could literally talk for so much longer, uh, but I'm not sure anyone else wants to hear my voice for much longer. But it, it's been absolute pleasure. And uh, look, you're, you're three games unbeaten now. I don't want to jinx it. Who, who are you playing next? We've got Fylde, who are currently sitting top of the league. Going to be a tough game. They are they're, they're the best team going forward. Uh, Shit, in our league I haven't jinxed yeah. it I'm giving you good luck now you, you, you're you going to do thank okay. you you're going to do okay what the rock thank what you. daft time for me to oh actually we're. this might go out next week anyway so it might have already happened <laughs> well fingers crossed yeah. everyone's thinking oh, okay, she's done really well doing really well with <laughs> thanks Matt for having me on and I appreciate it and I've enjoyed it probably spoke a lot but hopefully there's coaches out there that have got some stuff out of it and you know I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, if it, I can help people in any way, then then I'll always try. I'm, I've not got all the answers, and I probably say my approach isn't always going to be the right approach. But I'll always try and give my my advice um, to female coaches, to coaches, and, and particularly um, to to black coaches as well. What, what's your Twitter handle? Alina underscore Moulton. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.